0: Dana James, it is so nice to have you as a guest on the Potluck Monday Lunch Zoom column. And congratulations for this amazing and um, ambitious and scary and bold and delightful and welcome new product that you you are launching. So with that, I'll get into your bio in a little bit. But before we do that, Dana James, tell us about why in the world you are launching a newspaper when so many newspaper publishers are closing down niche presses or small small relatively small papers.
1: Well, first Julie, thank you for having me. I'm really happy to be here. Happy to be excited, you know, talking about um, the Black Iowa newspaper with you first. And so that's really great. Love the work that you do um, with the Iowa Writers Collaborative and this um, forum. So thank you for that. So starting a newspaper, um, I'm, I can't say that it's been a, a long-standing dream of mine necessarily, but certain things have conspired since the pandemic that have led me directly to this moment. Um, you know, I started Black Iowa News at, in May of 2020. So right when the pandemic was in full swing and I started it because I was really worried about what was going to happen to Black Iowans because the news rarely disaggregated the data by race. So I didn't have a good handle, even as a Black Iowan, on what the the virus was doing to my community. And so I was watching, you know, reading all of these stories from elsewhere, seeing um, how it was just decimating Black families. And I was concerned. And so I had pitched a story to another publication. um, And while I waited for them to get back to me, I had reviewed their platform, which was on Substack, and just decided to do my own thing. So it grew from there. And, you know, for the first six months of doing it, I I bootstrapped everything, you know, it was everything was self funded because I really saw it as a need in the community and I saw it as um, a necessity, um, very much a necessity. And so that's really how, you know, I got going. But then, like everything since then, Julie has really conspired to to lead me to this moment of starting a newspaper. Um, A couple of pivotal things happened. One, I had a great partnership with uh, Meta, Facebook. For about a year and a half, where I published an e-newsletter, so I learned um, a lot from there. A lot of professional development during that time. A lot of people outside of Iowa got acquainted with my work then, and in that, um, I was hooked up with the Black Media Initiative, which is run by CUNY, and I taught a class for them, online class about how to, you know, uh, create a Substack, and um, but that affiliation with the Black Media Initiative has led to a lot of opportunities for me to be in touch with Black publishers. And so once I was, you know, in these like weekly meetings with publishers, that's when I, you know, became familiarized with their work, began subscribing to their publications. And it just took me back to this feeling that had been bubbling that Um, Number one, we need the Black community, we need to be much more intentional about some of the problems that are facing us as we live in cities that are the number one, number three worst places to live in this country. And um, I feel like as someone who loves newspapers, probably like many of you, um, I really believe strongly that we need to connect um, what we're doing across the state in a better way than we're doing now. And um, we need to support each other and we need to talk more about these issues that are facing us. So that's kind of a long-winded way of of how we get to me thinking that um, I could start a newspaper. Now, I wanna back up for just a quick second. Last fall during midterms, um, I received a grant from the American Press Institute to produce a voter guy and that voter guy, it was ambitious because I work with um, contractors from time to time, but a lot of what I've done is, you know, this is Dana James writing, editing, taking photos. I'm just doing it all. And I had a short time to produce this uh, voter guy. And I was really excited about the prospect of, you know, producing a print product because up to that point, I hadn't. And I I also um, viewed it as kind of a test run. And I just really, really enjoyed producing that. And um, that led to, well, if I could do that in, you know, six weeks time, you know, the the concept, the writing, the editing, the vetting, um, then I know I can do something greater, especially as I pull in other people. So,
0: absolutely. you know, as I was doing a bit of research before our conversation today, I, I did not know this, but I understand now that the even though the newspaper industry as a whole has been struggling, there is a resurgence of locally owned black newspapers in some parts of the United States. And the, I had made the assumption because we no longer have the Iowa bystander and and um, in in the Des Moines metro area that like all uh, legacy newspapers, they were moving from print to digital, but that that you are certainly uh, uh, on the forefront here, especially in recognizing that that's not necessarily true. Why would that be, Dana?
1: I think some of it um, is that you have initiatives, like I mentioned, the Black Media Initiative, Um, you have, there's a lot of synergy going on. And we're in this area where I think this era where we're looking at new media um, options and ways to be sustainable. And so when you look at that, I think that factors into why, um, you know, there's this need for um, newspapers in the Black community. um, And the fact that a lot of us, are talking to each other and you know there's lots of ways that we're connecting like with us um, the black media initiative we, we um, splintered into another group which is called black news link and that's where my publisher friends are from the new citizens press in lansing michigan texas metro news the Community Voice in Wichita, I'm, you know, the Black Wall Street Times, just all these great publishers. And I think once I was connecting, connected to them, I saw other possibilities that didn't, um, that weren't there before. Because I hear, you know, Julie, what you're hearing. We all have heard it. We, you know, I was at the Des Moines Register. I worked there as a reporter for seven years. And I was right there at the end when, you know, Um, people were brought in who um, caused the newspaper to the staff to shrink, the physical size of the paper, you know, got smaller. And so, you know, I was there, I saw that. Um, I feel like I was, you know, there during the heyday of papers from like 99 to 2006, where, you know, you had a big staff, you had people really, you know, wanting to do great work. And then, But that was at odds with, you know, the owners and their, you know, need for um, their need for more money. And so I feel like, though, in the Black community, there's there's a difference. And when you look at the history of the Black press, even here in Iowa, but across the country, you know, the need really was born out of survival. And some of those same problems that led to the um you know led to you know the chicago defender the california eagle the Freedmen's journal all these um you know historic black papers some of those same needs they're here now you know um and i mean i can listen but i'm sure many of your readers and viewers are familiar with with it but you have um you know the disproportionate incarceration of black islands you have um You know, in Des Moines alone, um, you have the, you know, Black motorists are um, pulled over, they're ticketed, they're arrested at higher rates than others. You still have these huge disparities in our society that have not, a a lot of progress hasn't been made on them. And so we need, I feel a paper would help us, number one, it would help um, spell out what the problems are in a way that is more nuanced than is happening other places, it, it's a place for us to talk about our needs and um, the changes we want to see. You look at what's happening, you know, at the legislature and some of the bills that have been proposed, some of the bills that have been passed that are, are leading Iowa to be um, a place that isn't Necessarily going to be going to be a great place for Black Iowans to live if we don't coalesce and come together to tackle these problems. And I really feel like print, um, as a lover of print, I really feel like print is one of the ways that we do this. It's one of the ways that we get a newspaper into the hands of um, you know into households where you know the children can read it, the parents can read it grandparents can read it, and they can start to see more clearly some of the problems that we're facing. They can start to see, um, we can start to get at the root of what these problems are, and maybe there there are ways to um, tackle these problems if we're connecting, for example, people in Des Moines with people in Cedar Rapids, with people in Waterloo, with people in Dubuque. Some of that is already happening. There is a lot of that, but I feel like a newspaper is going to be a very uniting force.
0: There, there certainly is a need, no question about it. There's also the reality of market forces that have changed. The advertising model of newspapers is, is, is so different than it was back in the day. We don't have classified advertising. We don't, you know, if real estate was a big money generator for for print media, and so we're automobile advertising, all of which is pretty much gone gone digital. So, how, what, tell us about the reality of making this sustainable financially.
1: Absolutely. I think it's a combination of things. Absolutely, I will be accepting advertising from businesses, organizations, nonprofits, uh, political campaigns. Um, Since I started in back on Substack three years ago and accidentally turned on the um, subscription feature when I was teaching that class, I have received, you know, donations. And so um, a lot of that will help me keep going. You know, the minute I started to say, this is what I'm doing, and, and this is why I'm gonna start this paper. Um, contributions have come in. And the beautiful thing about Black Iowa News, let me back up for a second. The beautiful thing about it is that the readers and the supporters are all Iowans. It's not just Black Iowans who are supporting this. It's all Iowans who can identify with a mission. A lot of um, my readers, when I did a survey couple months back, a reader survey, and they talked about why they were, um, why they were subscribers. And a lot of it was, you know, people saying, I want to know what's happening. I'm not getting this news in my normal way that I get news. Um, the news that you're producing is more nuanced. I have a better understanding of what's going on. And so I think the more that, um, as Black Iowa News grows and it's, it's grown exponentially from an email newsletter with a few, you know, um, subscribers, you know, some of those were my journalist friends, some of those were, you know, my family members and friends. It's grown from a handful to nearly 5,000 in terms of subscribers. Um, Some of those are paid subscribers. Some of those, some of my supporters pay monthly, you know, because they're helping, um, keep Black Iowa News going. They're helping me be able to pay my um, interns, contractors, however you want to refer to them. One of them is my news assistant um, who d- just does great work. She has her own small business. It's helping fund the the mission behind Black Iowa News. It's not so much, you know, are my subscribers out there clamoring saying, oh, we want you to do a newspaper? Not necessarily, but they they want people to receive the news that I'm producing. And so that support has been constant and it's grown since I, um, in back in December, I started publishing off the IndieGraph platform. So that's how I have this nice, shiny, um, highly professional website. And, um, you know, since then, the subscriptions have grown. Um, more support has come in, I fully expect it to continue. And I believe from my projections that that will be enough to sustain us. It is entirely doable. And um, I'm I'm just very mission driven. uh, And, you know, I can be realistic about the longevity of it. And, you know, will it be here five, 10 years from now? That's a good question. We'll have to see when we get there. But right now, the need is here. The need is um, serious. And so we will forge ahead and we will um, produce this newspaper and we will get as much support as we can while I continue to do what I've always done um, in Black and Iowa News, which is look for grants, look for other funding streams. And so that's what I do, um, is continue to take advantage of those opportunities. And I have received grants. I had written a three-part series on the um, pandemic. I think that was in 2021. I got a grant from the National Association of Black Journalists, and the series was called Unprotected. And I invite you all to go to blackiowanews.com, look up those stories and read those stories that series, and you know, ask yourself, did you see anything like that during the pandemic that was written? Um, you know, I found black sources. I found um, people of color in the state who were epidemiologists. I um, talked to black funeral homes about what they were seeing with the virus. Um, I have just approached stories in a different way that I think will help propel this along. Now I also have, I'm bringing on other writers who, um, have, you know, great points of view and, you know, black Iowa news will just continue to grow in that way that we include others, um, graphic design artists, and we just keep forging ahead. Like many of those other, you know, when black newspapers began, um, you know, they faced, you know, uh, serious opposition. So I, I'm the type of person that I'm, I'm just going to work through the challenge, and um, I'm very thankful that I have so many supporters that are right there with me.
0: Tell us about the first issue. It's coming up. It's going to be June 13th, as I recall. Do you have it, uh, do you have it mapped out in your mind? Are you assigning stories? Are you writing stories? What's that first issue going to be like, and how do you distribute it? Where will it be yeah. available?
1: Yes. So we. I am still in the, um, I have like all these spreadsheets. Well, if you could see them, you know, all this color coding, all of the plans for it. Um, I wanted the first issue to come out during Juneteenth, which Juneteenth obviously is June 19th. So that, that Saturday in Des Moines on the 17th is Neighbors Day. And I really want to have the paper ready for Neighbors Day. And so my plan is to have it there. But as my husband and I um, go pick up the paper, the papers from the printer in Northeast Iowa, we're going to take this tour of Iowa and um, it should be fun. But we'll, we'll be going to Dubuque, to Waterloo, Fort Dodge, Ames, and then um, we'll take another pass and go to Cedar Rapids and Iowa City. And so those are, and of course, distributed here in Des Moines, those are some of the places. But I also wanted to mention that when I announced that I was, cre- you know, I'm creating the paper, one of the first advertiser that, advertisers that came on board is a, um, a business in Creston that I had never heard of. And right away, like they... I love that they were able to click on the advertisers link and that this Google form that I created that you know allow them to select what ad they want pay right there and everything works smoothly. And that person right there volunteered to, to host the paper there. So I'll be um, sending papers down to Creston. Also the African-American Museum of Iowa will be another location that you can find the paper at. And then, um, and then I've spoken with the mayor of Waterloo, who is finding me a location within the city um, to have the paper. And then I'm still working on the other distribution sites within the cities. So I've reached out to lots of black businesses, you know, barbershops, beauty salons, um, stores, you know, retail outlets and asking them if they want to be a part of hosting it. So um, I fully expect, even though time is going super fast and it's scary in a way, but it's a good scary because I I just, um, it has to happen, it's going to happen. And so, well, you know, I'll bring more people on and I'll be able to produce a list here pretty shortly of where people will be able to find it.
0: That's exciting. So, do you have beats in mind? Do you have um, do you have a focus for the content?
1: Absolutely. A lot of it. Um, I'm just pulling up my site so I can tell you those um, directly. But a lot of, a lot of the particular beats will follow what I'm already doing on. Um, if you go to the website for you know Black Iowa News, and that is um, you know justice. It's the arts. It is. Um, I'm trying to think of what else. I'm drawing a blank for a moment. Politics, it's, yeah, politics. It's it's all of that. Um, but one of the things that's super important to me again is coming back to the voting piece, and I think as we prepare for upcoming elections. Um, when I did the the last voter guide, I did a uh, survey with that as well. And people talked about what their needs were. And again, some of the needs were um, understanding how to vote, um, because obviously there's been a lot of changes over the last several years. People, you know, maybe people in the news are acquainted with, you know, how you go, the the mechanics of voting. But some of the you know, some Iowans aren't, and so making sure that people understand the process of voting, maybe making sure people understand the um, how to vote if you're an individual who had a felony, things like that. And so, I, uh, a big piece in the paper will have this uh, focus on voting, and I will continue that theme going into the um, going into the new year. I also have a partnership with Ballotpedia where I'll be producing another guide. Again, like the last guide, I was able to mail that to the homes of about 8,000, 9,000 Black residents here in Des Moines. And so it'll, it'll be like that again, where we're putting the information in the hands of the people who need it. Now, when I produced that guide, I took it to the Evelyn K. Davis Center for Working Families here in Des Moines and had a big stack in my arm, right? And I'm, I'm explaining what the guide is. There there was a family next to me and the, the gentleman, he just took the guide out of my arm and he's like, we need this. So the need is there. And um, a big part of, you know, I'm not going into this to get rich or anything like that. It's just out of this um, number one, just this desire I have to help other people, and to try to help, I will be a, a better place for all of its residents because it's clearly not—it's um, clearly not a great place for everyone equally. And so, so I'm going to open it up to questions from our
0: participants. If any of you have a question or a comment you'd like to make, please uh, raise your hand. I see a couple of journalists on the call that would love to have your input, feedback, et cetera. Um, in fact, I'm gonna call on you, Chuck, because that's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> you usually have a good first question, so you can you can set the tone if you're so inclined to do so. You are muted. If you're driving, maybe we should uh, come back to you when you're no longer driving. No, you're, you're still on mute, Chuck. Chuck? You're on mute. But don't get in a car accident getting off mute In the meantime, while Chuck is getting off mute. I'd love to uh, um, have you talk about what Black Iowa News did. oh, Chuck, you're off the you're off mute. Okay, go ahead.
2: Yeah, Dana, congratulations. I uh, am excited to read about this. I'm try- like Julie's memo this morning said I'm trying to decide whether you're a visionary or nuts. But we like you anyway. Thank um, you. It's sort of, you know, it sort of reminds me of uh, 1990 when I was around the Cullen brothers in Storm Lake when they were deciding to start up a newspaper. And we all know how that's turned out. Um, I think uh, as over the years, my observation has been as the journalism and media landscape has changed so much that actually uh, the publications, the actual print publications that seem to make it are what you could call one way or the other, a niche publication, a special audience publication. And uh, this could be, you know, that's what I hear, hear your plans for what you're doing. And it makes good sense to me. I mean, there's, uh, we've known for decades of experience that, Despite all the best efforts of a lot of media to serve the black community, we'd never quite get it done like it should happen. And the answer to that is have your own newspaper. And, you know, the Iowa Bystander did that for decades and um, it filled important roles. And you can look around the country and see that too that uh, black newspapers have done well. Um, you, you take it out of uh, the black population and turn it over to the Mennonites. The Mennonites have a very successful national newspaper that is aimed at those of the Mennonite belief and practice. And and as, as a result of that, the, the, when I think about that, I think you know the prospects are good for you on this. Uh, it will be rough starting, of course it is when you're starting any kind of new business i guess but i think that that could this could be the right project at the right time in iowa to to make this go so i congratulate you on it i think it's um i think it's a good move and i hope people will line up in support of it uh, because i think it could be a uh, really important addition to the iowa media landscape so i'm thrilled for you i you know i i'll be a subscriber and look forward to it are which rings up are you gonna you talked about dropping it off at different places and making it available at different places will you will you have mail you know subscriptions by mail
1: yes i do plan to have subscriptions by mail and i've already filled it some emails from people saying they wanted it i didn't have a uh, price structure set up for that yet because all along um because of the support of um other people the contributions and the subscriptions i've been able to do provide it for free and it is still very important for me that people be able to pick it up for free now if i have 100 subscribers that want it by mail am i going to have to figure something out yes and so i am in the midst of doing that and do fully um, plan to you know mail it out um, as people want it one of the things that you said too and i really appreciate, appreciate your comments um you know about either being a visionary or crazy i really feel like with this and, and i love that and i'm i'm totally cool with being both of those things and even <laughs> if i am and even if a year from now we come back i come back on julie's show and i tell you that hey it just didn't work um, I can live with that too, because the 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 main point for me is is starting it. I will put every ounce of my soul and being into making it sustainable, but you're right, there is something very um important about right now, and since I had this idea um when i like I said when I pitched that um story to Th- this newsletter, it was a national newsletter, because I didn't feel like they had uh, um, the right stories about, well, they didn't have any stories, actually, about what was happening in Black Iowa with the pandemic. Um, you know, I could not foresee that it would grow to what it is. Um, and, but every step of the way, when um, that inspiration hits, there's been an answer out. And so, like I said, I'm okay with being crazy or being a visionary, um, but we really need this. And, and fortunately for me now, had I not been connected to people outside of the state, I don't think it would be happening. But it, it's my connection to these other Black publishers, one of who, um, actually, I have her newspaper right here, and I'm just going to hold it up. It's the New Citizens Press out of Lansing. Um, and she, I very much consider her a mentor. Um, it's my connection to them and been in these meetings, learning from them over the course of a year that allowed me to see that despite what the media trends are, <clears throat> these black publishers, one moment.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I <clears> thought she's, okay, go ahead.
1: <laughs> right. got it. Sorry. Um, I don't want to tell you about this, the 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 time on my podcast that I uh thought I was on mute. Anyway, I blew my nose. It it was a whole thing. But um, yeah, it's pretty funny. But these other black publishers, you know, they are important parts of their community. They are doing doing such a, a service to their communities and they are producing stories that connect their readers in ways that the mainstream publications there just absolutely don't. And so, you know, as I learned from them about the challenges of the business, as I learned from them, you know, the inner workings, it just um that desire to want to produce the paper really grew. So like to to back this up, when I first started looking for a a publisher, a printer, <clears throat> I had some problems um, finding a printer initially. And, um, you know, fortunately, I do have some connections, Julie being one of them, who linked me up to other people who end up uh, being my printer. But when I was getting just a hair discouraged about, well, where am I going to print this? Because a couple of Iowa printers that told me they didn't have the capacity to do it. There was a, uh, they said a shortage of newsprint. And I was coming up against a wall, I went to this black publishers group and said, hey, you know, like, what are you all doing with this? And they're like, look, if, if you, if we have to print this in, in Texas and mail it to your state, we will. Like, that's the kind of support that I had to do it. And that is been, um it is, has been so meaningful to the business side of it, the, the, the back end of it. So I can produce it. I have no doubts. Now, will I have to stay up? You know, uh, into the wee hours every night until it goes to the, to the printer. Absolutely, and I'm cool with that. Will I, you know, have to agonize over some things? Because um, right now I'm intending to do the layout as well. I did the layout for the Black Iowa Voter Guide that I produced. That was mailed to um, was mailed to the eight thousand residents in Des Moines and if i have to do it for the 24 page black Iowa newspaper i will um the thing is i'm a go getter and um and i'm super motivated on behalf of the community and fortunately for me other people in the community support me as well and and that support has flowed in from all over the place and it's well, Dana, not and,
2: yeah you are indeed a go-getter i've seen that from New York times on the grand views was that the name of the college paper um, and you know i think you can also keep in mind the julie Gammick iowa writers collaborative model here of like we're doing on our substack stuff is you know some people will pay for it and some people will want it free it's a good model and i you know, take advantage of those of us who are able and will be interested in paying for it. Uh, you know, Amen. and I think you, you'll you be surprised how many people that will. The one other suggestion I'd have to you, and then I'll get out of your hair here, is um, I think the you've got a ripe audience in high school, black kids in high school across this state. I think that could be a great coverage, of beat kind of thing. And maybe you could get some high school journalists to be involved in that. Because I think you're going to be selling them with the idea that there's a newspaper that cares, cares about them. They'll, they'll groove on that. But I think they'll just get off on the whole idea of a newspaper. This will be a new thing for most high school kids today that, oh, my God, there's this print product that's fun to read and it's interesting and it's about us. And uh, <laughs> that's what sells newspapers or it always has. So I'm thrilled for you. I think it's going to be terrific. I can't wait to watch it happen.
0: Me too, Thank you so much. Me too. Thank we're going to go so to Bryce in just a minute, but uh, while he c- comes off mute, tell us uh, about um, Antoine Brewster, because this is, a, this is a story that you wrote about in your Substack column as part, part of the Iowa Writers Collaborative. And it was one of those examples of a wow for me is you, you made a very important issue real with that column. So tell us about Antoine Brewster's story.
1: Yes, thank you. That's actually one of my um, favorite stories that I wrote and it will be in the newspaper edition too because I think people across the state really need to hear more about it. So, um, and, and one of the other reasons I love that story had to do with the fact that I absolutely knew, didn't know very much about the cash bail system um, just didn't know a lot about it, other than few things that I had read. So I had to do a lot of research on um, the Prairie Lands Bail Fund and what they were doing. And so the Prairie Lands Bail Fund operates um, to, you know, free people uh, from they say the clutches of the cash money bail system. And they had this initiative to um, bail out as many black eye as they could. And it is still one of their um, priorities they're still doing that now and they wanted to really get the word out about um b- about that initiative. So I learned about them and then I learned about um Antoine Brewster Jr who h- his story is just really tragic because he's someone um who and his mother is just very lovely. he's someone who, you know, he was arrested um he spent, you know, he was put in jail. He spent his 21st birthday in jail. Um, He missed Christmas with his mother and sister. And um, he gets out, you know, he goes in in the fall, gets out in the winter, it's cold. um, And everything for his life changed at that moment, having been unjustly arrested. And his mother began working with the Bell Fund at that time. So Antoine decides at that time that he's going to move from the city that they live in. He's going to move to um, Fort Madison, I believe it was, and just start a new life. So he, you know, got a welding license. He he um, was, you know, got into a new relationship. It's um, just start get moving away from home where. You know, now he has this dis distaste for it. He moves and within a few months, he's murdered in a hallway in his apartment complex. And that was, I believe, a year ago in February. And they've just now they're they're just now to the point where they they're about to um press charge press charges on the person that who allegedly did it. But it just, the fact of him going in jail really struck me, you know, the the days that he spent in jail, getting out, trying to start a new life and it's cut short. And so I really wondered, like, it was that the impetus for his life to end? Um, because certainly before that, his mother had said he wasn't intending to move. Um, that was the idea that came out of being arrested. Um, during his arrest, um, his family said that, you know, prosecutors, they wanted him to take a plea deal, even after he was freed by the bail fund, um, They still were trying to get him on the hook for this crime. They ultimately end up dismissing all of the charges. So he's free to go on with his life, but um, it ended tragically. And so I wrote about what the bail funds work and, you know, how this fund works, you know, how the volunteers um, go across Iowa whenever they get that call. And it's just, I think, it's just eye-opening, um, number one, just, again, getting at those disparities and how um, how some of these decisions with policing and law enforcement, how they affect Black families. And Black families are, um, and people of color in general, less likely to be able to get out um, when they're jailed. And so they're languishing in jail, um, again, you're in there, you're accused, but you're not guilty, but they, they're, they're losing jobs while they're in there. They're um, losing their connection to the community. There, there could be horrific things that happen to them while they're jailed and then they're released. And what does that do to the person's life? What does it do to, to their family? And so I've stayed in touch. This is out of all the probably, I don't know, thousands of stories that I've written. Um, since I, you know, was at the Grandview's um, college newspaper till now, it was a story that really stayed with me, and I stayed connected to Antoine's mother, because if you talk to her, she just like how she described, you know, that moment that she's at the hospital and she gets that call that you know every mother fears, and and the things that she was saying to her son and the love that she had to her son really is is just on every word that she speaks. And um it just stayed with me. So I, you know, and she had a you know hard time again, that Ripple effect. Um she had a hard time dealing with her son's death and she's still struggling with it. And so I've stayed in touch with her from time to time. And you know, not only to write that story that I hope to get to, which will be um when his killer is arrested and prosecuted but just to kind of care for the mother as well.
0: Thank you so much. And Mm -hmm. just imagine how many stories like that are out there that we would never know know about. (laughs) All right, Bryce, your hand is up. You're still on mute, so you're going to need to unmute yourself. You have a question and a comment, and I'd like to involve the other journalists on the call. We've got Doug Burns and Ty Rushing. If you have a question or comment, I'd love to have you have you jump in. Bryce, go
3: ahead. I'll be very brief, but it's a perfect segue what you just mentioned. When I saw what the topic was going to be today, I went to my bookshelf and pulled down the current issue of Annals of Iowa, which is the Quarterly Journal of History, the State Historical Society. Most of you people know that. And there is an interesting 30 to 40 page article about printing and performing citizenship, the production of Black parallel politics in Iowa. I don't know Dana, if you're familiar with that article, but I would suggest that, that you might find it of interest. It does two things, and I won't try to summarize it other than read uh, just two sentences. It says The Iowa State Bystanders founding in 1894 helped to make the intersections between church and community building visible. And it goes on to explain that there were two problems within the Black community. One was Most white people and many black people considered the men to be the ones that were, in fact, the black community, and they needed to know the contributions, and the women needed to know, wanted to uh, uh, let the world know that there were many contributions being made by women. Back, this is the late 1800s, early 1900s. This is a fascinating article. I think it's pertinent to exactly what you Mm -hmm. are, are endeavoring to do, and I would suggest that. If you haven't had a chance to read that and others on this call might find it equally uh, uh, edifying. Thank you.
0: Thanks, Bryce. You know, there was a, there was a man, I cannot remember his name. I hope it comes to me before the end of the call, but he was a photographer and he, he was present at just about every event that was involving the the Black community in Iowa, the Evelyn Davis, uh, uh, Tiny Tots events, uh, Creative Visions, you know, all kinds. He was just always there taking pictures. And I've often wondered whatever happened to those photographs. Um, gosh, it would be amazing to, to uh, tap into what happened to those.
1: Do you know who I'm talking about? No, I can't pull up the name in my mind, but I really uh, thank you, Bryce, for sharing that story, and I will go um, look for it. And, you know, that brings up the point, too, again, when you talk about, like, mainstream publications, um, a lot of times I feel like mainstream publications, and by that I mean the Des Moines registers um, and the like, that kind of self-appoint who they consider the Black leaders to be. And sometimes you see the same names trotted out. Um, Same thing with TV news. You see the same people. And there's a whole, you know, vibrant, thriving community of even young Black leaders as well who get no play, get no recognition, who are just doing the work. And I want to give voice to them as well. Um, You know, we can can, um, decide who our leaders are and And everybody has the opportunity to be considered a leader, but we really need to define that and define certain things for ourselves
0: very very well said um uh, is were there a lot of leaders that you saw emerge in the last few years
1: that are active still in the last few years um well one of the person a person that I would consider a leader um is his name's R.J. Miller, and I've gotten to know R.J. Um, through his work. R.J. is, I think, one of those people that just wants to serve, and so he has announced runs for, like, the legislature, runs for Des Moines City Council, for school board. He has a nonprofit now, Greater Opportunities, and he's had some challenges being um being in the right places, getting access to the right people. But he has just continued to forge ahead, um, holding youth town halls, really wanting to give a voice um, in the wake of what the um, shooting that happened, the tragic shooting at East High School, wanting to give voice to the students about what was happening in their schools and, and face some opposition in doing that but still has forged ahead. So people like him is um, one. Another person that I would consider um, like a young uh, leader is Shekinah Fountain. Shekinah just put on um, a rec- the recent Power Her brunch and brought 260 Black women to Des Moines for an empowerment conference like that. There's some times where that was kind of unheard of. There, there are a lot of leaders all across mm-hmm. um, this state. I met some when... I went to Fort Dodge to recently talk with the community about um, the issues that they have with policing and really feeling like um, they're being harassed, um, you know, that they're being targeted because of their race, um, that, you know, there's all this um, disproportionality that's happening to them um, there. And, you know, the people who came forward that have that courage to call out law enforcement in a tiny town. Where Black people make up about seventeen hundred people, um, that's those are community leaders. Those are courageous. You, remember, you may never see those their names in their mainstream newspaper, but you'll see it in Black Iowa News because a lot of what I have done since I started was kind of go um, city to city and let people talk about what they're experiencing, and it's not pretty. I mean, much of it is not pretty. You you'll see. You know communities struggling still with the vestiges of redlining you know they're in neighborhoods that need a lot of work they're struggling with employment they're struggling with um having excuse me so sorry some of them um they're struggling with their children in schools that has been a big theme that has grown um really over this last year um, to the point where it was overwhelming because I get message after message, email after email from Black mothers in places like Maquoketa, um, Ames, and elsewhere whose children are being racially discriminated against in school. They're being bullied. They're being targeted. Um, the last mother that I wrote about in Makokita, she um, is moving her family back to um, the Chicago area because all of her children, Um, this school year have experienced very, you know, serious uh, bullying. So a a lot of this, these trends, um, they're not trends because they've been happening forever. Nobody's just really doing anything about it. We're not talking about it. And so people have started to see, and I love this, people have started to see Black Iowa News as, as a resource. People will come to me and the messages, and they don't care what time it is, you know, it could be two o'clock in the morning. They will message me, hey, you know, I'm really struggling with some discrimination at work. What should I do? I, I'm here alone in this town of however many. I don't feel like I have any resources. What can I do? And I work to link them up with either lawyers or, or civil rights organizations in their town. And that is... I feel like that's what the black press has always done is is not only just be this place where here, look at our pretty paper and look at our stories. It's a gathering spot. It's a community. And that's also what I've tried to build on Facebook, um, where I have, I think about 20,000 followers is that sense of community. A lot of, you know, some of our stories, some of the things that happen, um, Like, for example, you all, I know will be familiar with the, the women's um, NCAA championship and what happened with Caitlin Clark and Angel Reese and the, the very real rift that, that, um, that, that showed. And, you know, like on my Facebook page, I posted a photo of Angel Reese because again, you know we can celebrate Kate, the Caitlin Clarks, but you know as as a Black woman in particular, you know I was um, impressed by Angel Reese's story, and and the part of her story where she says this is how this is how I'm mistreated as a Black woman in society. This is how you can clearly see these things that are happening to me. So I posted that 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 alone, just the posting of a picture, got. I don't know five, six hundred comments. You know, thousands of likes, all kinds of crazy engagements. But in there, a lot of people. It allows people a voice, a safe space to talk about um, their views on a very touchy subject. But this is what Black Iowa News does every day. On there, we talk about these things that aren't getting talked about other places. This is what the newspaper will do. We we, we have to get nitty gritty, and we have to have the courage. To say what needs to be said, to say that our government in some ways is failing us, that our supposed community leaders, legislative leaders are failing us. And one of the, the beautiful things about being supported by the community is I'm empowered. And the people that will work with me are empowered to say what needs to be said, because we're not beholden, we, we're not beholden to an advertiser. We're, we're beholden to the community.
0: Hey Ty, I see Ty's okay, hands Ty's up. Okay, next. Ty, you need to unmute, and if we could see you, see you too, that would be great. Oh, and and um, I, and the
4: camera off because I'm actually off today, so I'm like I'm in my robe.
0: <laughs> okay, spare us the sight
4: of you in your robe. <laughs> I know it's kind of it's like uh, yeah, last week of the legislator legislative session, and I'm off. Good for you. <laughs> I know, but like I kind of want to see this thing die in person. Yeah, why, but, are you, why are you off? I don't get it. Uh, I'm off because my fiance is moving here full time from California this week. So, like, the initial plan was to drive her car back here, but instead she shipped her car and they just bought a one-way ticket, but I already had the week off. So I wasn't going to be like, hey, guys, I'll come work instead. No.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, so, what do you think of this endeavor?
4: Well, man, Dana already knows I'm her biggest fan and I'm always supporting everything she does and trying to uplift it. And so, like, I love this. And uh, I actually think, like, we should talk offline uh, about a content sharing agreement because I want to help, you know, promote your stuff. And then, like, I think we cover a lot of stuff that, you know, a lot of but especially black items, aren't aware of. I mean, like this legislative session, like you pointed out earlier, is one of those things that so many people are unaware of what's happening with our state government, but especially so many people that look like Dana and I. Who just don't know what's happening here? And I've talked about that when I've seen other Black folks at the Capitol, like Al Womble and I've talked about this and other folks who have come up there. And it's just like there's so much unawareness in our community about all these people making these decisions that can affect your day to day life. And so, like, I would love to get more eyeballs on you know on these kind of things that are happening. And then I also want to share Dana's content because she always has like tremendous stuff. Like uh, that she mentioned the Fort Dodge story. Like I didn't I didn't know about all of that that was happening up there. Into her story, you know. I mean, so like, yeah, I I just want to like, you know, give her props for doing this, for taking a big risk. You know, as y'all know, I love newspapers. Like I'm a newspaper guy, even as I, you know, advance in this digital era, like I'm still a newspaper guy at heart. So uh, I'm super excited to see what happens with this. And like, you know, I'll do everything I can support.
0: Yay. And with Ty in your corner, that's a nice, uh, that's nice person to have. That's for sure.
1: Oh, absolutely, and I will be taking you up on all of that, Ty, and you know it was only a matter of time before I was about to come to you on my list, so <laughs> I, I'm going to need some uh, some pieces definitely for the paper, and you know, again, salute your work um, at the legislature because you're certainly covering it in a way that is tremendous, here, and here. that's why I really enjoy sharing your work and seeing people interact with it. Um, because you're right. So many people are not connecting the dots to these people that are in office and what it will mean for their day-to-day life, the things that they will see change, um, the money that will be taken out of their pocket, the food that will be taken out of their children's mouths because of the decisions of a few. And so your work is tremendous and I will be hitting you up.
0: Yay! By the way, Ty is a regular at the Okaboji Writers Retreat, and um, one of the one of the things that happens as a result of the paid subscriptions to this column is we have scholarships available to emerging journalists. Um, Dana, if you have anybody that you would like to uh, have a scholarship for the Okaboji Writers Retreat, let me know. But also, we should put an ad in <clears throat> the first issue. To promote not only the Okaboji Writers Retreat, but also an ad for the Iowa Writers' Collaborative. So excellent. Let's let's, let's make that happen. Um, Thank you. I'm I'm just really excited for you. Uh, it's twelve fifty five, so we're coming up on the end of our hour. That flew. If no, oh, Diana has a comment or question. Let's end with Diana's hand being. Re- oh, we have two. Okay, let's make it quick. Here we go, uh-huh. Diana
5: i I just want to say thank you i I think it's wonderful that you're doing this and um, as a person who's really trying to be more understanding and supportive of the black community I think as a white person i'm I'm uh, excited about becoming a subscriber uh, so uh, what address do I need to send my uh, subscription uh, to and if you could give, me any information about that? That would be great. I have to ask too. I take it I I missed the very beginning introduction, but you must be a grand um, graduate of Grandview, uh, which I am too. So anyway, I uh, I'm very very pleased that uh, Julie had you on the potluck today because I learned a lot and uh, very supportive. Want to be supportive of your work.
1: Thank you so much. And I am happy to, um, give you the address or, um, actually, do you have an email Diana that I could get from you and I can email you or would you want me to just put it in the chat or. Um, I think I'm getting,
5: are you putting, uh, Black Iowa news on, uh, email now? I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting something. So, uh, Anyway, I uh, will check you out and I will send
1: you my email. Okay, perfect. Great. Perfect. Thank you. For All your right. Comments.
0: Oh, I missed. Let's see. What happened to Patricia? Did we lose her? Well, I guess we lost her. All right. Well, congratulations, Dana. Any final comments or um, words of wisdom for this group? Oh, wait. There's Amanda. Amanda, go ahead. You're on mute. Sorry. Um, I know we got a few minutes left, but hi,
5: I'm Amanda. I'm a reporter at the Des Moines Register. I just wanted to introduce myself real quick and um, say, Dana, like, I'm so excited for you. Um, I think this is the void that we honestly try to fill in legacy newspapers by hiring diverse journalists. And, you know, it's um, I have lots of feelings about that myself, but um I, this is so cool, honestly, and I'm excited for you. And I also um, am planning on doing a story about you. So I just sent you an email. So hopefully we could chat offline. Um, Sounds good. But yeah, would love to help uh, promote in any way. Okay. Thank you. And
0: on that note, thank you, Amanda. Nice to meet you this way. Glad to have you aboard. Dana, final comments before we wrap up?
1: just that i really appreciate everyone's comments um i appreciate this platform and i just hope that you will uh subscribe and pick up the paper when you see it and send me any tips or ideas that you have you know to improve it i'm always open to that and i just really it's been great to come on here and talk about it with people that aren't my family who have to Forced to listen to me. So um, thank you for all of your thoughts because it means a lot. Thank you.
0: And next week, we're going to have uh, Bob Leonard, who's an Iowa Writers Collaborative columnist, as well as Chris Jones, who's the subject of a column he wrote a couple of days ago. Chris has resigned from his uh, position at uh, the University of Iowa over an issue where there is has been pressure brought to bear about what he does, which is uh, oversee the testing of water quality in the state. It's a fascinating story. It, it'll make your hair curl. And uh, please tell your friends to join this conversation next Monday at noon. And with that, thank you all for participating.